Our Rayleigh rode a first roller coaster at 13 years old this year. I rode my first roller coaster at 13 years old. It felt like a rite of passage from childhood to thrill seeker. While we waited in line at Silver Dollar City for the first ride, she was a little nervous. I taught her a trick I used when I was 13. I said, hey, baby, look around for anybody who's been around for a while. It's euphemistic for saying look around for some older people and tell yourself if they can ride it, I can ride it. Then it dawned on me. She probably looked right at me and thought, well, if dad can ride, I can ride. I have become the old man I used to look for. But after her first coaster, she was hooked, and she and I teamed up all sun-soaked day as we ran from one coaster to another. If the lines were short enough, we rode some twice in a row. Roller coasters make no sense. There's no real pattern. Up, down, upside down, sideways, upside down, and sideways. If our roads were engineered like roller coasters, we'd never really get anywhere, but we would have a blast trying. Before Silver Dollar City, or Cedar Point, or King's Island, or Six Flags sinks another shiny penny into engineering another shiny coaster, they should open up the God-breathed Bible and take a good long look at the nation of Judah. The nation of Judah was a roller coaster nation. One king worshipped God, the next king worshipped every idol under the sun, and some even worshipped the sun. Judah obeyed God, Judah rebelled against God, Judah prospered, Judah suffered. Up, down, down, up, Judah was a roller coaster nation. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to What Good is Faithfulness on Simplify. We ride the high hills and the steep valleys all throughout the book of Second Chronicles. Near the end, we meet King Uzziah. He was good and godly, at least while he was young. But when he was that old man standing in line for the roller coaster, his pride cost him his health, his crown, even his life. A steady climb, then a steep drop. Then his son Jotham took the reins and began to reign, and Judah began to climb closer to God again until Jotham died. And his son Ahaz plunged Judah back into sin. He was so depraved, he sacrificed his own children in fire. Ahaz never met a green tree he couldn't worship or worship an idol under. While Ahaz was focused on his sin, Syria and Israel invaded and conquered Judah. Desperate, Ahaz cried out to Assyria and the gods of Syria, but they were as silent as homeroom on a holiday. Near the end of his life, in the end of chapter 28, Scripture records Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful. He destroyed the articles on the house of God, shut the door to the house of God, and then he shut his eyes in death. Judah had plunged a long way and the wrong way from the days of peace and prosperity under saved Solomon. Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, was next in line for the throne, and he was crowned king at 25 years old. Judah was in for a ride. Will the son of wicked Ahaz turn Judah to God for help, or will he turn them to idols who can neither hear nor help. In 2 Chronicles 29, verse 2, Chronicles Hezekiah's job performance review. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, he opened the closed doors to the temple. It was the first time anyone had been allowed in the temple since his dad Ahaz had bolted them shut. Hezekiah was boldly and bravely reminding Judah that we need God and we need the house of God. 
Then Hezekiah found 14 faithful, godly men to serve in the house of God as priests, silently signaling to Judah that we need men of God. Once the men of God had repaired and prepared the articles in the temple, Hezekiah restored God-prescribed worship, just as God gave it to Moses, who passed it down to Joshua, who passed it all the way down to David, to Solomon, and now to Hezekiah. The temple that possibly looked like it was just a few months away from being red-tagged was filled with music and sacrifices and celebration and worship yet again. So many brought so many sacrifices that they had to enlist help of people who were not properly trained but had a heart to serve God. And by the end of chapter 29, Jerusalem was filled with worship and rejoicing because Judah was turning back to God. Then Hezekiah made a bold but faith-filled move that made God grin. He invited all of Judah and Israel to come to Jerusalem for Passover. Israel and Judah were enemies only three chapters earlier, but Hezekiah knew the best way to bring two warring nations together is to seek God together. When we stand at his altar and remember where he brought us from and what he's done, there is no room for war, only worship and reconciliation. Hezekiah's heralds ran from city to city in Judah and Israel, inviting everybody to celebrate Passover for the first time in a long time at camp meeting in Jerusalem. And some made fun, and some made the trip. Second Chronicles 30 verse 12 records this beautiful blessing. Also the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. God smiled. And God blessed Hezekiah and Judah for turning Judah and Israel back to God. The coaster was climbing again. They worshipped and sang and sacrificed and festivaled for seven days. At the end of that week, they decided to extend the revival another week. And chapter 30 closes with, Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place to heaven. Happy days are here again, and it gets better. Israel teamed up with their neighbors in Judah, and they destroyed the altars to idols in Judah. Then Israel went home, and Hezekiah restored tithes and offerings to make sure the house of God was priority, and the men of God were able to serve and minister in the house of God. These doors would never be shut, not on his watch. Somebody would always be there to help God's people get a hold of God. Hezekiah's eyes grew to the size of grapefruits when he saw the heaps of money God's people had generously given to take care of the men of God and the house of God. And chapter 31 ends with, And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart, so Judah prospered. Judah was back at the top of the track. They were right where God wanted them to be. Hezekiah was as faithful as the day, and God was more faithful than the day. So why does 2 Chronicles 32 open the way it does? After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. Wait a minute. If Hezekiah's faithfulness pleased God, by turning Judah and even Israel back to God. Why did God let Sennacherib invade? This question has harangued humanity ever since the garden. If God is good, and I have done good, 
Why am I going through this? Hezekiah's Cheshire grinned at the joy in Judah narrowed when his herald rushed into the throne room to let him know. Your Majesty, while we've been worshiping God here in Jerusalem, the king of Assyria has invaded Judah. He set up camp against some of our strongest cities. Sir, Assyria is about to wage war, and we're not ready. What are we going to do? The chronicler may have shaken his own head as he penned Second Chronicles 32. After these deeds of faithfulness, we would nod our heads if he wrote after these deeds of faithlessness or wickedness or even foolishness. But Hezekiah was faithful, and life still happened. Sennacherib still invaded. Maybe Hezekiah thought or one of his advisors just asked the question everybody was thinking, what good was all the good you did if God still allowed the enemy to invade? And you've asked it too. But God, I've been faithful, but I still have cancer. God, I have done what you asked, but our business still went belly up. Why? God, I raised my kids like you and your word taught me to, and they still ran from you as soon as they turned 18. God, what good is faithfulness if Sennacherib still invades? I would tell you faithfulness to God is still right, even when all the world goes wrong. Faithfulness does not assure us the absence of trouble. Faithfulness assures us the presence of God. If the goal of faithfulness is to stave off the storm, we will flee faithfulness at the sight of the first dark cloud. But if the goal of faithfulness is to draw closer to God, we'll be faithful until our dying day because faithfulness attracts God. If you have been faithful and you still fight your battles, be faithful anyway. God is attracted to faithfulness. Hezekiah marshaled his leaders, built a few more walls, handed out a lot more weapons, and Hezekiah gathered his captains together and explained the why for all of his what's. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that's with him, and believe me, he's got a lot with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us <laughs> is the Lord our God. And he will help us, and he will help fight our battles. Man, you probably wonder why I've been so focused on restoring Yahweh worship right here in Judah. It's not so we won't face trouble. It is so our God will be with us when we do. And even though Sennacherib has an entire army of savages on the other side of those very fallible walls, our God is with us, and he will fight for us. And men... Greater is he who's with us than he who fights against us. And sure enough, overnight, God sent one angel to cut down 185,000 armed, trained Assyrian soldiers. King Sennacherib retreated for home where his own people cut him down, and Hezekiah didn't even have to swing one sword. Be very careful what you believe about God and where you get it. Some well-intended preachers will preach if you give to God and if you're faithful to God and you do everything just right for God, God will always keep the enemy at bay. But God himself stood in front of Pontius Pilate as the angry crowd cried crucify. A bloodthirsty mob who would not go home until they had killed Jesus. And for what? 
Scripture beautifully and succinctly sums everything up Jesus did in Acts 10, verse 38. Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus faithfully healed their sick and faithfully delivered their demoniacs and faithfully raised their dead and faithfully cleansed their lepers. And for all the good he did, they nailed his healing hands to a cross and crucified the only one who has been forever faithful. But scripture is crystal clear for Hezekiah and for Jesus himself, God was with him. Faith is not believing you won't fight your battles. It is believing you won't fight your battles alone. Hezekiah was faithful, Sennacherib still invaded, but God was with him. Jesus was faithful, the crowd still crucified him, but God was with him. Remember, faithfulness does not assure us the absence of trouble, only the presence of God. If you're fighting a battle right now and you need God to bolster your faith and faithfulness, simply call out to God, be faithful to God, and he who is forever faithful will be forever faithful to you. Let's pray right now for the Lord to help you to be faithful, to do what he has called you to do, to be what he has called you to be, and trust he will always be faithful to you. Jesus, we love you. You are forever faithful. You have never broken your promise. You've never gone back on your word. You have never told us you would and didn't, or told us you wouldn't and did. You are forever faithful. Minister to all of my friends who are listening to this episode, who are battling, who are dealing with questions for which they have no answers. Minister to them today. Help them to be faithful. Help them to put their faith in you, their trust in you. Jesus, I pray for those who grieve today, help them to be faithful. For those who hurt, help them to be faithful. For those who have run from you or have children who have run from you or family who has run from you and they don't understand why, please, God, help them to be faithful. We ask you today, Lord, may we look to you. You are faithful. May we look to you, Jesus. You've never left us, never forsaken us, never will. I ask you today, help us bolster our faithfulness in you, to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So much, Simplify listeners. I pray this episode has been a blessing to you. Took a little bit of a break from the wilderness and wandering through it to share this episode with you. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, click the notify, click the bell button. Never miss an episode. Share it with others so they'll never have to miss an episode. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. Use promo code SIMPLIFY and save 10% off your entire order when you use promo code SIMPLIFY for the first time. You can pick up Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast in 10 words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments, and very soon you'll be able to pick up Blessed Are, a practical look at the Beatitudes. It will be available on PentecostalPublishing.com pretty soon. Also, those books are available on Amazon for Kindle, and 10 Words is available on Audible, and Blessed Are will also be available on Audible very soon. This week, over 30,000 young people, youth pastors, students, student pastors, pastors, ministers, people from all over the world will descend on St. Louis for North American Youth Congress. And this week, we are going to see a move of God unlike anything we have seen in some time. Would you please join me all week long in praying for God to do everything he wants to do right here in St. Louis, and then everything that happens here will go from here to where everybody is from. 
and will change the world, starting with what he is doing here this week at North American Youth Congress. Next week, we will get back on that that track in the wilderness and follow Israel from the wilderness into the promised land, and I will do my best to share with you an episode called Over the River and Through the Walls. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.